The great commandment ends with the familiar phrase, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Seems pretty straightforward, easy to understand. In fact, Jesus even defines for us what neighbor means in today's scripture reading with the parable of the Good Samaritan. But there's a part of this phrase that I've been wrestling with to try to understand more fully. It's those last two little words that seem a little less clear as to what Jesus was asking us to do. What does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? Those two words are really intriguing. Some translations add some words for clarity. The Common English Bible says, you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. And that's a fine option. Except those words are not in either the Hebrew texts in Deuteronomy or in any of the Greek texts in the Gospels. So we can't be totally sure that that's what Jesus meant. Many commentators like to say that this is like the golden rule in which Jesus famously said, do to others as you would have them do to you. In other words, maybe this last part of the great commandment is really about loving others the way you would want to be loved by them. It's a fine option, too, in keeping with the heart of the message of Jesus. And then I've heard and read lots of sermons that try to make this about loving yourself, about having a healthy self-esteem or a, a kind view of oneself. In other words, loving others is only possible when you first learn to love yourself. I can understand that interpretation too. I mean, we certainly don't want to hate ourselves or be indifferent about ourselves. It certainly makes it harder to love others if we are so down on ourselves. But when it all comes down to it, those last two words, as yourself, well, they're left pretty vague and open-ended. How exactly is Jesus telling us to love our neighbor as ourselves? And more importantly, how will you love others as yourself? One Jewish scholar suggests this intriguing interpretation. You shall love your neighbor because he is like yourself. You shall love the other person because she is just like you. I find this to be a provocative translation that unlocks a whole new level of meaning and application. Think of that person that you may be angry at because of an error in judgment or a mistake that they made that you had been warning them about. Or think of a person you thought was being insensitive to you or, or you thought was intentionally trying to harm you. What would it be like for you to see them as yourself? Are you a perfect person? Have you made mistakes? Have, have you ever been misunderstood as doing something to intentionally harm someone else when that was not your intent at all? Well, maybe this part of the great commandment is an invitation to empathy. Or think of the jealousy that you may feel at someone who has more than you do, or who has achieved more than you have. What would it be like for you to see them as just like yourself? A person with dreams and ambitions, disappointment and heartbreaks, just like you have had. You might begin to appreciate what they've overcome, 
the barriers that they may have had to face that you were not even aware of. You know, Jesus could have very easily ended the great commandment without these last two words, and it still would have been very meaningful. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor. Period. Right? Simple enough. Clear enough. Instead, by adding the words, as yourself, Jesus shows us the best way to truly love other people is to recognize that other people, as different as they might appear to you, are a lot like yourself. Coming to that recognition and acceptance requires empathy and a monumental shift in our thinking. Here's another way to look at it. I shared with you two weeks ago about my love for the Enneagram, a personality type inventory that has its roots in Christian spirituality. Well, one of the key principles of the Enneagram is that each of us tend to project onto others the very faults that we ourselves are trying to avoid. Take, for example, a person who wants to see themselves as wise and intelligent. Well, in order to reinforce that ideal in themselves, subconsciously, they see other people as foolish, unwise, unintelligent. A person will project their own lack of wisdom onto other people in order to convince themselves of their own wisdom. Well, consider a person who wants to see themselves as right and good. Well, in order to reinforce that ideal in themselves, subconsciously they will assume that other people are not as right as they are. Others are mistaken as wrong. A person will project their own fear of imperfection onto other people in order to convince themselves of their own rightness. Here's another example. Consider a person who wants to see themselves as powerful or influential or, or significant. I think you see where this is going. In order to reinforce that ideal within themselves, they will assume that others are weaker, insignificant, less influential. A person will project their own inner weakness and limitation onto other people in order to convince themselves that they have power. You may see yourself as an achiever, a person of efficiency and excellence. It could also mean that you subconsciously believe that others are not doing their job as well as they should. A person will project their own fear of failure onto others in order to convince themselves of their own achievement. Well, this last part of the great commandment would guard against all of these false assumptions about others and help us to acknowledge our own shadows and our own shortcomings. To love others because they are like ourselves means assuming the best in others, not the worst. And it means accepting our own limitations and accepting theirs as well. But there is one other interesting possibility for understanding the phrase, as yourself. It comes from the great Jewish teacher, Abraham Joshua Heschel. He suggests that the way to understand loving God and loving neighbor is to see them as the same thing, as two sides of the same coin. He said that because God is everywhere, in all things and in all people, 
to love God is to love our neighbor, because God is, in fact, in every person. In his book, God and Man, Heschel writes, God is not hiding in a temple or a synagogue. You don't have to come here to feel God's presence in your lives. That is why our Torah gives us commandments that relate to everyday things, like what kinds of food we can eat, how we should conduct our business, how we should treat our neighbors. Because everywhere we go, everything we do, Heschel writes, God is there. And so our actions can be infused with holiness and meaning. Rabbi Heschel is right. That's why when a lawyer stood up to ask Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus answered with the most famous parable in the whole gospel. Many years ago, I heard a sermon on the parable of the Good Samaritan by Bart Campolo, the son of the famous author and speaker, Tony Campolo. In it, he asked us in the congregation, of all the characters in the Good Samaritan story, who do you think Jesus would have identified with the most? In my mind, the answer was clear and obvious. I mean, of course, Jesus would have identified with the Good Samaritan. He's, he's the hero of the, of the story, just as Jesus is the hero of the Gospels, the one who does the saving and the caring and the healing. The, he would have been the one to help that poor man, just like Jesus helps all of us and tells us to do likewise. I mean, obviously, Jesus is the good Samaritan in this story, right? But wait a minute, Campolo said. Is it possible that of all the characters in the story, the one Jesus would have assumed, the one he would have identified with the most, is the poor man himself, the half-dead victim on the side of the road. After all, in another gospel, Jesus said he identifies with the hungry, the naked, the thirsty, the sick, the imprisoned. For when we care for the least of these, we care for Jesus himself. I've never forgotten this interpretation of this parable. It reminds us that throughout the Bible, God sides with the oppressed and not the oppressor. God always identifies with the powerless and the beat down, not the powerful and the proud. And it reminds us that when we draw near to the people who are different from us, when we look into their eyes and look into their faces, we can see not only that they are no different from us, we can see Jesus himself. I think this is what it means to love God and love our neighbor because, in fact, they are one in the same. And we can love others because they are, in fact, just like us. Well, even though our worship journey through the Great Commandment concludes today, living out the Great Commandment is just beginning. Next week is our annual mission celebration when we will remember how God is calling each of us to love the least among us through local and global programs and missions partners. That's all part of loving our neighbor wherever they may be. And your daily journey through the Great Commandment can continue into the future. Over these last 35 days, many of you have worked with these daily activity cards, discovering new, simple, spiritual practices that have helped you love God and others with all you've got. These decks of cards can be used and reused in order to give your spiritual life a kick. They can even be shuffled 
and put in a different order to bring you a new, fresh pattern of activities. But here's, here's the best way to keep it going. Think about the ones that have brought you the most meaning. The handful of cards that you found most helpful along the way. I suggest you pull them out, pull them aside, and keep them close. And practice those the most regularly, daily, weekly. Let them become your rule of life. The planks in your trellis that will constitute the backbone of your new revitalized spiritual journey. And then watch as the beauty of God's love begins to bloom and blossom for others to see. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and your neighbor as yourself. It's as simple as that. It's as challenging as that. It's as important as that. Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us so much that you sent us yourself in the person of your Son, Jesus Christ. And thank you for teaching us that in Christ we can love you with our whole selves, our heart, soul, mind, strength. Help us, Lord, to love others in the same way, to see others as not unlike ourselves, and to see you in every person we meet. Lord, teach us to love. In Jesus' name, amen.